0: Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's com slash join.
1: This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you at about 7.45 Central Time in the great city of Chicago on February twenty second and we've got baseball content folks pitchers and catchers have reported the cubs had their first full squad workout on monday afternoon so the whole team has reported everybody's there in Mesa. We've gotten a ton of content. We've got some budding storylines as we kick off the spring training process in earnest, and we will talk about it all. But Brendan, I I was pretty excited to get on here and talk about the Cubs today. It's it's always a, a fun day when we can flip the script from talking about rumors and potential moves and things like that to actually seeing these guys in Cubs blue, Cubs hats, their Cubs gear, taking BP, fielding ground balls, doing their PFPs, whatever they're doing, it's it's always a kind of a momentous occasion. I think maybe for everybody, but I think especially for you and I, because we have to spend so much time talking about baseball without baseball. So... It's all just a way to say that I'm very happy to be getting baseball content. The Cubs and other teams and the MLB social media accounts have posted a lot of just like sounds of spring training <laughs> clips, right? No music, no narration, no nothing, just balls, hitting gloves, the ball and the crack of the bat, the the sound of the spikes stepping onto that fresh dirt. It's it's a wonderful time of year, and I'm very happy to be. I'm very happy to be back, Brendan. I got good news,
0: or well, may, maybe bad news. It depends. how I want, you want the to bad news first. We got, well, there's no. It's not really bad news, but you know, we'll see how the season turns out. Uh, we have eight months of baseball every day, Corey. Like whether it's games or practice, eight. Months, so the off season's over. Personally, every day that goes by, like my win projection goes up one. So I started at maybe in the low eighties a couple weeks ago. I'm like pushing ninety at this point. Seeing Jake Arrieta out in a Cubs uniform, talking with adbert Alzali, I'm I'm feeling good, man. Just like seeing all the guys come back and all the hype, it, it's 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 much needed. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any
1: amount of months or years I think you're accustomed to the the roller coaster of emotions that is listening to Brendan and I talk about the Chicago Cubs which is you know we go through the the offseason which ebbs and flows based on what they do we don't really control that but the minute we see Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and and the boys in their Cubs gear given us those daily quotes about how excited they are and how much they're looking forward to the season and this, that, and the other. The 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 level of optimism from the two of us really ratchets up uh, quite quickly right and really up. quite transparently. It's really no secret that basically all it takes is Anthony Rizzo saying, you're, you're damn right we're going to win a bunch of games this year. And Brendan and I go, okay, 100 wins. There you go. He said it. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun to be back in that time and and just to be getting this content. But like I said, there there's been some stuff going on. There there's some developments in spring training, some roster stuff that we have to get through um and I I think the 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 place I would like to start and we'll move through all of this. As, as we go. But I, I do want to get back to Jake Arrieta just for a moment, uh, if you all will allow it. But firstly, just wonderful to see that man back in Cubs colors and see him working out with the team and reading all of the stuff from him about how glad he is to be back with the Cubs and Cubs camp and all that other stuff. Um, but I, I just wanted to read this one quote. I think it's a good way to it's, it's a nice follow from what I was just saying about how amped up Brendan and I get, and it, it's, it should maybe provide a little bit of hype, a little bit of energy for the rest of the podcast. And Jake said the other day, being able to put that uniform on wearing 49 again in Wrigley Field is going to be pretty special. And that's the type of stuff, folks, that, I, I mean, when Brendan read that quote, I, I I think I had sent it to him, or it was in a group chat, I could feel the electricity pumping through Brendan's veins as he read <laughs> that quote, and just thinking about Jake Arietta pitching at Wrigley Field, and being back in that number 49 jersey and and even just seeing that I mean just watching him play catch the other day just doing his, his long toss uh, with his his buddy Adver Alzali which is what we're going to talk about next just just great just great stuff uh the 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 quotes from him were really good and and just hearing him Talk about how this reunion with the Cubs happened. His conversations with Jed Hoyer. I just want to read one more quote, and then uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that relationship. I was just alluding to. He said jake there's definitely a significant amount of comfort here there's no question about that but at the same time as i was going through the free agent process once again i can be comfortable anywhere i would never want to make it seem like i'm not capable of performing at fill in the blank but is it a little bit different here in chicago of course that's obviously a huge benefit not only for being familiar with the environment the cities the travel but just the people around there's a lot of relationships that were developed over the past five or six years picking up where we left off is something that adds a huge benefit, and just working with guys that we all have the same goal in mind. So just good stuff from Jake. It it was a good interview that I think you can see if you go to the Marquee website. I think that's uh, the only place to watch that full press conference. He also talked about being able to be managed and play for someone who caught one of his no-hitters. That was a really good quote and and such a unique flex that Jake is able to toss out. Uh, he, he phrased it as it's cool to have a manager who caught one of your no hitters. Like, just let me make it clear that I have multiple no hitters. So I have to specify which one I'm referring to. This was the one caught by David Ross, who's not my manager. So that was all good stuff. Uh, Brendan, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll jump into some of your thoughts. Uh, I know that you'll want to talk about some of the stuff that Tommy Hadovy said, which if you're a listener Mm -hmm. of this. Podcast or a reader of Brendan's work, there is a reason that when the rumors of Arietta started and then when he re signed, there was a reason that I said that Brendan was one of the foremost experts in. Jake Arrieta. That wasn't an exaggeration. And if you listen to the podcast where we talked about the potential signing, and especially after he had signed and Brendan really went into what he had done in Philadelphia, what he would be looking at to make changes with and stuff like that. If you listen to Tommy Hadovy talk about it, and you thought, hmm, I've heard some of this stuff. I, I've heard about him getting some of these pitches back up in the zone a little bit more, and working on the sinker location and things like that. It's probably because Brendan said a lot of that exact stuff. I don't often hype Brendan up, but if there is one thing, like shocked. I almost never hype Brendan up, really. I'm, I'm, yeah, I that's a fair clarification. <laughs> but. I hyped that up because I, I, of all players, I knew that that was going to happen. I knew that Brendan was going to go in there and look at the stuff with Arietta, his pitch sequencing, his repertoire, and especially where he was throwing those pitches, the release points, and stuff like that. I knew that the second we heard from Tommy Hotovy, it would almost be like he had just sat down and read one of Brendan's pieces. Uh, it's just what was. It's just what was going to happen. Uh, like I said. Brendan knows Jake Arietta It's a it's a passion project. So that that is why we laid that groundwork, and it was very. So I I will let you get into that, but I, I want to talk about this thing with Ad Barry first, because to me it is one of the more significant, and I don't I don't say that with any hyperbole. One of the more significant developments, I, I think you could get in such a short span, right? Like this is this is a, a quick turnaround. We we just had the first full squad workout today. So it's not like they've all been there for a while. But every day they've been out there we have seen Adbert Alzai and Jake Arrieta throwing with one another, playing long toss with one another, and there are some really good pictures from the beat writers, the Cubs, uh, I think, you know, Marquis, everybody who has access at this point, which has been limited just because of, you know, COVID protocols and whatnot, but some really great photos of Jake, you know, demonstrating pitch grips and arm angles and things like that, and Adbear clearly, you know, l- you know, doing his best to be a sponge and just absorb all of this information and you know they 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 talked about it a little bit, and Arietta talked about it, and just being able to have that relationship, and you know, be able to impart his wisdom and his insight and his experience, and and we talked about that when the they made the signing, especially after losing someone like John Lester, who certainly provided a lot of that type of experience, but to. it's one thing to assume that that's going to happen, right? Because that's just the personality that Jake has, the attitude that he has. But so quickly, like the first day to see him really clearly – let you know latching on to AdBear and and again like you look at these pictures. I mean it, it's it's so easy to see even from where we're all sitting. Like oh yeah these guys are developing a relationship and AdBear's asking questions. He's learning things and this is going to be really valuable. But I I, I think that that is I- invaluable. I, I mean that stuff is really really important. Oh yeah, and to be able to see it. With someone like Adbear, and, and I think in particular that we saw what Alzalai was able to do last year when he made some changes and had worked with the pitching infrastructure to adjust his repertoire, bring in new pitches, things like that. And, you know, he looked like a different guy when he came back to the major league squad towards the end of the year. It's, it's really clear that he is someone who wants to learn wants to get better, and wants to take the next step that obviously everybody in the organization is hoping that he makes. So to see this relationship developing right away in spring training, uh, that w- that got a lot of publicity on Cubs social media and things like that. And I As think deservedly
0: show. so, Brendan. And Corey, when I saw those pictures of Jake and Adber Alzali, the first thing I thought was adber slider, because that was a pitch he developed really late in 2020. And that was a pitch I think to this day could get him to that next step. He's been principally a fastball curveball guy. But again, late in 2020, in one of his stars, he whipped out this slider cutter. That was the first time he ever threw the pitch in any game. And when we noticed this, you know, I, I tweeted it out in front of the podcast, Jordan Bashton Reply saying, yeah, like Adber and Hadivy were working on this cutter and working on this new grip. And so there's another picture just from this past week of Arietta literally showing his cutter grip to Alzali, and Alzali looks like a student just ready to learn. And so I'm gonna be looking at that going forward: is can Alzali's slider and cutter continue to improve, or are we gonna see a different? usage of it in terms of where he throws it or how much depth it has. Is Arietta going to have an actual tangible effect on Azulay's breaking pitch? And just overall psyche and philosophy of how he attacks hitters. Because if you look at the two's repertoire, very, very, very similar. Now, Arietta has different angles where he throws his pitches very different than Azulay, but both of them Cutter, sinker, four seam, known when they were coming up through the system for their heavy curveball. And eventually, like Jake, were maybe seeing Al's Life transition to a harder cutter breaking pitch. So that, that is just beautiful to see. When I saw those two and all those photos, I'd, I mean, that was probably the best content, I think, of the entire week of the spring training, Corey.
1: That was to me sort of the the lead story from the get go, and and it's it's not always often that you know just from these initial workouts and guys reporting to camp and stuff like that that you re- really even have that much to dig into. But this this was a pretty cool one, uh, not only just Jake coming back and getting all of that content, but this relationship in particular. And I do want to read one quote. Uh, from Jake about that because, you know, obviously everybody sort of Mm. saw this budding relationship and and asked him about it. And he said on... Adbear specifically quote he's a guy who from the get-go I can tell that he wants it there's no doubt in my mind he's focused he asks a lot of questions and you can tell he loves the game you get to a point in your career where you're not only expected to perform on the field but also off the field and I take great pride in that and if I can help him escalate his career even a little bit that makes this entire organization that much better I set the tone in the room early on I want these guys to understand and to know that they can Come to me at any time, whether it's something personal, something baseball related, it doesn't matter to me. So, that is Jake Arrieta talking specifically Mm. about Alzali, but also just his role now as a guy coming back to this organization with the experience that he has as a World Series champion, as a Cy Young winner, as someone who has performed at really, really high levels in this game and has that veteran presence. I love it. I, You know, th- this is one of those things where you, you kind of have to see how it all plays out and things like that, but we can literally see it happening with one of these younger players, uh, a, a really... Important player for the Cubs, like Alzolay taking bigger steps and and becoming a a staple of that rotation, e- even just the middle part of that rotation is that has ramifications for years for this organization if he's able to really settle into that role and and elevate himself toward that ceiling that he has and to see Jake getting in there and and to hear quotes like that just about how he walks into this locker room again and you know he he's he's not there to collect a paycheck he's not there to you know expect people to come and kiss the ring cuz he's Jake Arietta and right like I, I he commands respect but he's also here to help this organization and he made that really clear and so just to see that that relationship and it's it's going to be fascinating especially once we start getting some of these games and we get more video and then ultimately when we're able to get track man data and and some of the the metrics on some of the stuff that AdBear's doing but it's going to be really interesting to compare to where he was at the beginning of the 2020 season really and then also Toward the end of that 2020 season, like you said, once he had implemented some of those changes and and obviously saw greater success, so that has been something to keep an eye on. But I, I think it got a, a lot more interesting seeing him working with Arietta and 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 knowing that you know he's got somebody on his side that that is is going to be. Trying to elevate him and and you know someone that he can look to as a mentor, so to speak. Um, but I, I do want to give you time now, Brendan, to just talk about what you heard from Arietta, what you heard from Tommy Haddavy, and what you kind of expect to be looking at as spring training keeps going. And you know, if if, if you know, maybe for. I know you're going to get into some mechanical stuff and release point stuff and, and some of that, that, you know, real, like in the weeds type data. But if, if for, you know, anyone listening who, you know, maybe isn't as dialed in on all of that stuff, if there's stuff you can point to, as we go through this spring training process, here's, you know, surface level stuff I'm looking at with Arietta. You know, maybe just for, for anyone who's looking at what happened in Philadelphia, looking at his age and, you know, is is just trying to figure out what to expect from Jake at this point in in his career. If there's anything as we start spring training games and get more video and things like that that you're going to be looking for and that, you know, is the type of stuff that might jump out to you and say— I like this. This is a good trend. This is something that wasn't
0: happening in Philadelphia. This is how
1: Jake gets back to being Jake.
0: The way that we get a successful Jake in a Cubs uniform in 2021 is going to be a different version of Jake that he himself probably has not seen before. And what do I mean by that? I mean, and even Jake said it, the days of 97 to 98 miles per hour, they're they're gone. He's throwing 92, 93, 94, and 95. And he's changed how he throws, where he throws. You talked about it last week. He's throwing that change up once every five pitches now, whereas he used to throw it at like a 4% clip. When you're looking at Jake in spring training, there's a lot of things to look at, but principally what I'm looking at is where he throws his sinker. And there are some really insightful quotes from both Jake and Tommy Haddavy in that first week. So I want to read some of those quotes. And as, as you said, like if you've been listening to us talk about Jake, we've really hammered down the point about like heavy sinkers up in the zone. Not down in the zone, but up in the zone. But at the same time, we've also talked about that Jake doesn't really subscribe to that philosophy as an absolute all-or-nothing type way if that makes sense. Jake is still under the mindset that you have to establish the down and in away part of the zone. So think about those tailing two-seamers or sinkers that catch the edge of the plate like a Greg Maddox-type call strike or a Kyle Hendricks-type call strike. Jake believes that still has relevance. And he's right. He is right. But there's a mix. There's a mix where you don't want to only throw that pitch. You still want to throw up in the zone. And I think that's where... Tommy Haddavy comes in, and I think that's why, ultimately, is one reason Jake chose the Cubs, because when, I, when I'm when i about to read this quote from Tommy Haddavy, it will make sense. So Haddavy said, quote, when you saw Jake, and Jake was in his prime, his stuff moved everywhere. But I always went back to the angles, getting on top of the baseball and driving it down, Into the strike zone, then using the cutter off that and tunneling off that, and then being able to go up when he wants to. That's a point of emphasis. So we're really trying to focus on the angles and creating deception and driving the ball and let everything play off that. He's always had the ability to climb the ladder with two seamers, but when he's right mechanically, he's driving that two seamer down and away to a righty, end quote. That is the perfect marriage of modern day baseball pitching with an old school mindset like Jake Arrieta. And kudos to, to, to Tommy Haddavy for implementing both those features. And he's right about that. So again, to my point, what am I watching this spring training? I'm watching that sinker. I'm watching how he establishes the zone on the lower outside portion of the plate so that he can use his cutter and slider off that so that he can go up in the zone with way more frequency to get more whiffs. And if he gets more whiffs, he's going to get more strikeouts. He's going to prevent more runs. And those numbers naturally should begin to look better than that year way right around five last year. And one of the cool things about this in terms of Hattievi's quotes is that he's talking about release point and getting on top of the baseball. And so if you just take all StatCast data and just ask a computer, hey, what are the most important features for Jake Arrieta's sinker whiff rate? Tell me what's going to predict the most whiffs possible. And one of the central features is release point for him. So there is some deviation in Arietta's release point last year and the year before that gave some predictive value to getting more whiffs. That's what we want from Jake Arietta. We want more whiffs. He's not a contact first guy. His stuff is way better than that. But he became exactly that with Philadelphia. And his release point over the years have dropped dramatically. Even in 2017 when we were podcasting, we were talking about this. And so to hear Tommy Haddavy say, we want to get him back on top of the ball, and we want to establish that lower outside portion of the zone so that he can go up in the zone more often, that's music to my ears. That validates a lot of the issues that we thought were going on, at least for me. And so again, when you're watching these games, just look at that sinker. Where is it being thrown? Where is the catcher setting up? Where is Contreras setting up? Is he setting up up and in? Or is he setting up down and away? And is Jake hitting those spots? And if he is hitting those spots with high frequency, I'm going to be pretty optimistic about his chances this year, Corey. Boy, let me just tell you guys, if
1: Jake has any modicum of success in this season as a member of the Chicago Cubs, Brendan is going to be insufferable (laughs) truly insufferable uh because he will have been completely right for years and i i just don't think there's anything (laughs) that excites him i think back to that like when john lester had the nl era title for like that month of april i think in 2018 and how often i brought that up something similar to that yeah but it's I'm gonna keep going back to man, like I know I know it's a simplistic way of viewing this, but I, like immediately just hearing all of this, and like especially because it lined up with a lot of stuff that that you had talked about, like I, the, like I just trust that like give me Tommy Hoddy looking at all of this over anybody with the Phillies. I Anyone. I, I it, it's not to say that you know it, it's all on the Phillies and you know Jake. Was, was the victim of the Phillies and, and he's going to come out and, you know, be incredible. That, that's not what I mean. But, you know, when you have a pitcher who is dealing with his stuff diminishing, who is dealing with needing to, as Brendan said, become a different pitcher, be, be different in how he attacks hitters and uses his repertoire and, and sequences everything, that is where the differences in these organizations really get... Highlighted, it, it's that stuff. It, it's 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 easier to work with someone when Jake was at his peak, right? When he's got his peak velocity, movement, and things like that. That's also what was so amusing or laughable about what Baltimore was doing with him, and speaks to why Baltimore is who Baltimore is. But it's a lot harder to maximize. A guy in Jake's position right now someone like John Lester over those last couple years of his deal you have to work harder and you have to work smarter to make those things work and I always said about John that I trust him to figure that out and oftentimes he did right and I think it's it's similar with Jake here like they're not the same pitcher and again like it's it's not just all the Phillies And, you know, Jake still has to go out and do the work. Like Brendan was saying, like, can he execute the things that Tommy Hattie is putting in place and the pitches that Wilson is calling and stuff like that? But give me this group and the results that I've seen from this group than whatever was going on in Philly. I I'm and especially hearing from Tommy and Jake and, and everybody earlier this week. I'm um, I'm very optimistic that things will at the very least be better and that they can identify and correct some of the things that were leading to the poor results that he saw in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, looking at everything, I just don't trust Philadelphia to do that. So I think it's important. And this is where the pitch lab and the pitching infrastructure with Hadavi and Breslow that we always talk about. This is where you know you try to find those margins and you try to you know succeed on these little things because that's how you get the most out of a player like Jake. And the difference between getting this stuff right and getting it wrong is a big deal because he can't just rely on stuff as we've seen with plenty of guys, and as we've seen with Jake at times. You you can't do that anymore. So you have to get all of this stuff right, and I trust this Crubs group to do their best at doing that and you know then we'll see how it all plays out from there but but that was good Brennan and I appreciate you know you kind of laying it out in a way that you know when we're watching these games we don't have to go dig into baseball savant data can just look at some of these things and and you know I think that sinker is is certainly going to be one of those keys how does it look how is his command how is he able to execute the game plan that you're going to kind of be able to see once we start Watching these games, I think it'll be pretty apparent what they're trying to do with Jake, and you know, obviously, it it, it should be a little apparent as to whether it's working or getting close to working. So, that is everything with AdBear and Jake. Uh, I, I think it's all stuff to watch, and you know, like I said. Alzai developing and cementing a place in this rotation, not just for 2021. And you know he's one of those guys where it's you know he's certainly not going to be. you know, making 30 starts or anything like that. he He's going to have a certain level of innings that he's able to hit and that the Cubs are comfortable with him doing. But beyond just 2021, him developing into someone, you can pencil into that rotation. And if even if you were looking at it right now, if you were projecting for 2022 and you were able to say, okay, we know Kyle Hendricks is here and if, if, at you know, by the middle or end of 2021, if you're able to say, okay, we've got Azulay, he's in there, and we're comfortable with him being the number two or number three or number four, wherever, you know, he ultimately develops and you feel like that works, that's important. And it's equally as important if the answer to that question is no, unfortunately. I, I don't think that's what it's going to be. I expect uh, a really big season from Mad Bear, and I, I just love everything that we're hearing and seeing about him. But... His development and his standing as someone in this rotation is a really important thing for this organization, especially as we're in this weird period of some guys are on expiring contracts. We don't know when the budget is going to tick back up to the level that, you know, it had been over the past several years. So the guys who are on the roster and who are cost controlled and, you know, uh, on with team control for a few years... it's important for some of those guys to step up and and answer some of those questions now before we deal with those other ones. But I want to turn to uh, just some of the other, where we're going to talk about the outfield situation in a moment, but I I just want to touch on a couple of the other goings on from this first period of of spring training. And and the first thing I want to say, Brendan, and I know you feel this with me too, um, but boy, I, I think it was on Sunday, Boy, did it feel good to see Chris Bryant arrive in Mesa, and I want to make this very clear. Chris Bryant arrived in Arizona, and he went to Chicago Cubs training camp because he is a (laughs) member of the Chicago Chicago Cubs. Cubs. So granted, anything can change. Anything can happen. Some team can pick up the phone out of desperation and offer Jed Hoyer a deal for any of these guys that he simply cannot refuse. But based on what we heard from Jed, he talked about some of that New York Mets stuff as not having nearly the traction as it was reported to, which I think Brendan and I kind of said that, you know, sometimes... Had talks could just mean like, hey, is Chris Bryan available? No, right. Technically, that counts as a talk, <laughs> right? Um, so they, the, the, there is always room for change, right? The, the, the line things can change at a moment's notice. Just because there are no irons in the fire now doesn't necessarily mean that something can happen. But when we get to this point when guys show up, when the team is promoting these guys and putting out content with these guys and things like that, and just going off of what Jed said, which was we're not really in talks anymore. Some of those talks were overblown in the first place, and spring training is a good time to sit down with these guys and reevaluate their future contracts, extensions, things like that. For now, I think we're safe, Brendan, and I think that this is the roster that we are looking at you know maybe you get some uh, non-roster invites you know some small minor league contracts perhaps as some guys get passed around through the spring training process and you know don't make the cut elsewhere things like that but I think we've survived (laughs) uh you know another (laughs) another season of a, a lot of rumors I think Wilson and Chris in particular for the moment, again, they are in Mesa. They are in Cubs gear. They are practicing as members of the Chicago Cubs, and it makes me really happy to be
0: able to say that. Looking at the lineup right now, I mean, these are big names in the middle of your order, man: Tony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Ian Happ atop the order. You know, a Jason Hayward resurgence where he's a, a an above league average hitter. You can see in a perfect world, all the stars aligning and those guys hitting like they have when they're healthy in their career, when they're at at their best. And it's not to say that's likely to happen. It's not likely to happen. If it were, the projections would have revealed that. But what the projections are showing us is that there are scenarios where that does happen. And there's a wide range of possibilities where the Cubs are actually a 90-win team. And that wider range is wider than any other team in the Central. So basically, computers are not confident in their projection for the Cubs because they know Chris Bryant was an MVP just four years ago. Wilson Gacharis is one of the best offensive catchers in the league, and now he can frame? All of this is kind of breaking the mold of how you can predict this team. And so in one way, you can be upset not having that certainty, The other way to interpret this is to be optimistic about it. Hey, there is uncertainty here. Hey, this is not just maybe an 84-85 win team. There are legitimate scenarios where this team is going to be in the upper 80s, lower 80s, winning the division. Now, what that looks like in a playoff series, I don't know. You know, we have a lot more time to go before we can even talk about, you know, an actual playoff picture. But this is all to say is when you see Brizzo back on the field and watching batting practice of these guys it's an extra jolt of optimism and who knows what the future holds for these guys I was looking at all the free agents for the 2022 season and like the entire Cubs team is on there and it kind of hit me in the face like you know what if this is the last way for them to to play together this year I'm going to enjoy it I'm going to have some optimism I'm not going to go into the season being all down Right? Like this lineup when they are clicking is a top tier lineup. And so you have to have that part in your brain where you're thinking that is a possibility because it is a possibility. Now is it likely? Who knows? It's it, it may not be likely, but it is a legitimate possibility. And I'm reminded of that when I see them together on the field. Yeah, and
1: as we've said a lot, like I, I think for most fans of this team. You know, again, like this off season, the budget, things like that. Not how we all would have drawn it up, right? I think a lot of us would still like to see you, Darvish in this camp. We've been through this, right? But at this—I I think the reason I, I, I say that again is because I think that there's a lot of conflating right now with this team that— the offseason that they had not being what we all wanted and them not spending as much money as we wanted and uh, you know all the articles ripping them for doing all this stuff and you know justifiably so but that that makes the team bad right and I don't I don't see it that way right Uh, you know again like I'm not gonna say that this team is gonna win a hundred games or anything like that but just because they traded Yu Darvish and you know they didn't spend a hundred million dollars in additional payroll doesn't mean the team is bad. This is still a team that won this division last year, right? And that was with Javi and Chris having the worst seasons of their careers. And you can't automatically just project them to hit their MVP levels or to bounce back with great success. And, you know, it's it's a perfect reversal of what we saw last year. You know, of course not. You got to see what happens. And, you know, for someone like Chris, like a, a lot of it has been these nagging injuries that you can't always predict and stuff like that. It's just sort of the nature of, of being a professional athlete and a, and a human being that gets injured. Um, but it's, there. there's just too much, you know, you tweeted out today that Uh, one of the the betting lines you saw for the over-under on the Cubs win total was 80 and a half wins I mean (laughs) mean, like the the fact that you know you'd have to take to take the under on that you'd be looking at them winning 79 games no like that that's that's just too pessimistic for me and you know again like look there's all sorts of scenarios things don't always work out right and things can happen, like we'll see where this team is at when they get to the trade deadline, you know, because they have a lot of decisions to make. Who knows? But, like, as you said, like, this team has a lot of talent, And, and Rizzo talked about this on Monday in some of the interviews that he did that, you know, he doesn't expect and he won't just say to people, like, oh, we got a lot of talent on this team, like, it's stupid to doubt us. You know, he was sort of taking the approach on Monday where he's like, no, I get it that, that you know, we have to go out and prove that we have that talent because people have been hearing that and we have not had the success that we wanted to have over the last few years. So he gets it, you know, but at the same time, like, Chris Bryant is not the hitter that he was in 2020. We we just know this. Javi Baez is not the hitter that he was in 2020. And when you look at the talent that the two of them have, if they can be healthy and, again, not hit their MVP levels, but just have, like, normal, successful seasons, along with Anthony Rizzo, along with Wilson Contreras, along with Ian Happ, who was a a, a legitimate MVP candidate for a a very significant portion of a shortened season, but still, he was putting up monster numbers for months at a time in that 2020 season. You got Jock Peterson, who's playing for a contract. He's playing to prove himself, things like that. Jason Hayward has been improving his offensive numbers year after year after year. He's one of the best defenders in the league. So again, like, I'm not trying to like spin this that like, no, actually this offseason was great and they're going to win 110 games. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that there's a, a, a bit too much of, of, like I said, kind of conflating a an offseason that wasn't ideal with The team being bad, and I I, I just don't see it. I I don't think this team is bad. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent here, and there's a lot of things that we've been trying to highlight, Arietta being one of them, Alzali being one of them, and some of the other names that we brought up a lot. There's also a lot of potential for guys to step up and, and be a surprise, right? Like, why can't we have a Tommy Edmund style thing, right? The Cardinals call up these random players that lead them, you know, to success all the time that nobody's ever heard of, right? Like, why, you know, why not us, Brendan? Um, But it's really just to (laughs) say, I think there's plenty of names and talent and guys that are going to get those opportunity to help this team achieve more than I think they're being given credit for. And, as you said like seeing these guys back seeing chris bryant he looks good he looks healthy he always looks good but he looks healthy uh is what i mean and you know seeing that seeing javi getting back to work turning double plays and and just seeing these guys get back to work like you said it is a reminder like there is a lot of talent here And I think you can be optimistic about that. You can be excited about that, like you said, because you don't know what the future holds, especially. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean you believe this is the best team in baseball and, you know, that, like, everything is perfect, right? I think there's a middle ground there, and I think it's fair to... Be in there because I I just think like come on like that over under like in this in the seventies no if if I mean, they're if break. they if they don't succeed out of the gate and Jed Hoyer decides he's gonna make a bunch of trades you know who knows right that's that's kind of changing the. The the scenario right, but as it stands right now, like nah, that's that that's too pessimistic. KBs having a healthy bounce back year, so is Javi and some of these other guys, Wilson, Hap, cetera. Like they're going to continue making these strides. It,
0: it it's too low, it's too pessimistic. But you can under you can understand why they set the lines like that. Like setting the line at eighty and a half seems unfair, and it probably is when you look at other projections. But other systems like Zips or Bakota or Steamer, they're putting the Cubs around 84, 85 wins. And I, I, I think that's fair as an average, but you have to understand why that's the case. Those systems can't ignore what you saw in 2020. They can't ignore how KB produced after injuries in 2019 and 2018. That's just how they operate. And they should operate like that. But we follow the team on a daily basis. When I say we, I mean like, you know, listeners, all of us fans, we know the issues with Chris Bryant. And we also know that he needs to adapt as well. And so does Javi. And they both need to adapt to this growing trend of up and in fastballs that Pittsburgh threw once every other pitcher almost set me into a stroke. So they need to adapt to those pitches. And that's something they haven't done successively for a consistent amount of time. And that's one of the reasons why they brought in Jock Peterson, who does indeed hit those higher pitches with greater frequency than Kyle Schwarber did. And it balances the lineup that way. So there are legitimate issues to the offense, but as you're saying, Corey, it's not a black or white situation. You have to be open to the idea that their production was deflated by things out of their control. COVID, health injuries, everything, you have to consider that a possibility just as much as you consider the possibility that they can't or did not successfully adapt to different scouting reports or whatever you want to talk about. It's all to say you have to consider it all. So 80 and a half as a win projection, I think that is low. Yeah, I'm going to put a few hundred bucks on that because I think it's a slam dunk win. Uh, Now, we'll see what happens when they're around the trade deadline. But I think 80 and a half, if they, if they only win 80, 81 games, I'm not going to be shocked, but I will, I will be a little surprised. I think they should be more than capable of going above 84, 85.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think that's fair. And you know, again, like this is, this is a unique season. I, I, I talk about, you know, kind of all the time where, you know, the expectations going into 2015 and what we thought about that roster and what would make that a successful season was different even than for 2016. And 2017 was different after that. And I, I think this is its own unique thing in that, you know, we, we kind of all know that they didn't go all in, they didn't push all their chips in, you know, to, to have that like World Series or bust attitude in 2021. Uh, and I think that's OK As uh, we can recognize that and also still be excited about the season and and have, I think, realistic goals and, and expectations for this team. But I, like just as like a surface level, like baseline thing, I, I keep saying this and I and I will believe it until we're either proven correct or otherwise. This team, as constructed right now, is competing for the NL Central title. They're
0: defending their championship, Corey. Yes. They're defending their division. That is
1: my honest belief. I I believe they are a legitimate contender, like you said, Brendan, to defend their NL Central championship. I want to read Anthony's uh, some some quotes from Anthony Rizzo because I do think it it sort of uh, you know goes goes along with this and 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 it's what I was saying before you know that he kind of alluded to this. So the they they were asked you know if if because we didn't see that much change on the offense, really just sort of swapping uh, Jock Peterson for Kyle Schwarber and you know the the bench is different, which we're going to get into in a second here. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's a lot of the same core. And, and you know, so Rizzo was asked if, if people should believe in that core still, even though we've been kind of having the same conversation for a while. And Anthony said, quote, I think we have to go out and earn it and prove it. I don't think anyone should just believe in it. We haven't done what we're capable of doing the last few years. And I, I think that that's, that's a totally fair thing. You know, he's basically just saying, like, we got to go out there and prove it. We know we have a lot of talent, but we also know that People, I have heard that for a couple years now, and we have not achieved the level of success that we had and that we expect to as a group. So we got to go out there and prove it. But that doesn't mean that it isn't there, because it is there. It's it's just got to come together. Uh, so on that, we'll see. Anthony Rizzo also uh, reiterating some desire to stay in the city of Chicago, uh, which I do believe that that is something the Cubs should be doing. Uh, We've said that a lot. Uh, Jed Hoyer, again, alluding to spring training being the time to do that. Anthony agreed, and, you know, so that will happen at some point. And Anthony said this, quote, Everything that I love about this city, I kind of wear on my sleeve. I still love it. I still love our team. I still love what we have going on here you got to extend him for, he cannot play a game in another uniform. I, I, I have never meant anything with more sincerity than when I say that. I love Chris Bryant. I love Javi Baez. I love a lot of players on this team. I, I, I mean this with the utmost sincerity from the bottom of my heart. Anthony Rizzo must, must be extended by the Chicago Cubs. He can never be allowed to play a game for another organization in Major League Baseball, he has to retire as a cub, he has to have his number retired, the statue built, the whole thing. This is completely non-negotiable and I mean it. This is this is a slam dunk for them from a PR perspective. He's been one of the most consistent players at the position for years. He's a top producer He is one of the best people in the game of baseball, in the Chicago community, the Cubs community, the communities he's a part of in Florida. This is a no-brainer. Like, just do it, all right? He has to be a Chicago Cub. He has to receive a contract extension. That's it. Do it, Jed. Get it done. Tom, you better open up the purse, and you better pay the man his money. Seriously. Anyway, getting to the bench and some of the depth changes that the Cubs have gotten into. So a curious one and one that was everybody was kind of trying to figure this out. So we knew that the Cubs had signed Jake Marisnyk, uh kind of a, a depth bench piece, someone who you would look at as a defensive replacement and, you know, maybe a pinch runner, and, you know, maybe a spot start kind of guy, but not someone you're looking at as like a platoon potential guy, just someone as, you know, depth bench piece, very clearly. Brendan and I were kind of talking that he's kind of like what you wanted, uh, that you would have envisioned a role for Albert Almora over the past couple years, except Almora didn't succeed at the plate, and he had the you know, expectation, obviously, of being a former first-round draft pick and someone who you were probably aiming a little higher for than just being a depth bench piece uh, to serve in certain situational spots. But that, as a veteran, as somebody come over coming over on a low-stakes deal, is more in line with the expectation for Marisnik. The Cubs also, over the weekend, brought back Cameron Mabin, Uh, you know, inking him to a deal. Again, all of this is very low stakes, low risk. So it's it's not a big deal. But it did force them to put Philip Irvin uh, to DFA him and he did get picked up by the Braves. So he's out. Uh, So what's interesting about that is that, and this is sort of one of those things where you're kind of trying to follow the timeline and and sort of see how this all comes together. But basically, Irvin was brought in because the Cubs have had, if you've been paying attention, I think you know this, uh, a problem hitting left-handers. And part of that is because, you know, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez would normally be doing a lot of the damage in that regard, but they did not have the years that they'd like to in 2020. So hopefully that reverses and those numbers get better. But Irvin was someone who you'd look at as, okay, however you're going to do this in left field, he signed before Jock Peterson. He has a career numbers. He has career numbers that are above average against left-handed pitching. So it made sense to have him in there and he would be the guy that you would put in the outfield to hit against lefties. So, now, Mabin's all right, but still not someone that hits lefties very well. Marisnik, same thing, right? So it's just interesting because they—clearly they told Jock. Jock made this clear when he signed and in his Player Tribune piece and stuff like that, that he's, he came here to to play, not to be a part of a strict platoon, not to get, you know— 90 to 100 starts a year. He came here to be the left fielder, and that was what was told to him. That was the deal, and Jed Hoyer reiterated this, like they're going to give him a shot. So it's just interesting because I think what a lot of people are trying to figure out—now, I liked Cameron Mabin. I thought he was a great addition last year. I think he's someone who represents a much more ideal bench piece than the Cubs have had in in past years. Cameron Mabin is someone who can, you know, depending on the splits and how many things, but he's someone who can put up numbers that are much more you know, e- either closer or slightly better or just a tick below league average, right? Whereas the Cubs have had some guys on the bench the last couple years, you may remember, guys like El Mora, guys like Descalso, the Carlos Gonzalez experiment, etc. You know, there's there's a list of these guys who have not been anywhere close to putting up league average numbers at the plate. So I like Mabin. I think he's a, a great guy to have on the bench because he is closer to that, just a more stable bench piece that you can mix and match right but it's kind of curious Brendan that they opt not to keep the guy who had that particular platoon advantage which now you still don't have so again you'd hope that Mm -hmm. Javi and KB are able to kind of elevate those numbers against against left-handed pitching it has been not something Jock has succeeded at in the past but he's getting this shot he's you know on a one-year deal heading back to free agency so he's here to prove himself get that time so we'll see what happens there but this was in this has been an interesting set of moves to to try and follow and, and I don't think we've heard Jed or anybody speak on this yet so it's really just trying to figure out like kind of thought they were going to utilize the guy that was more consistent against lefties but that is apparently not their plan.
0: Riznik is like sneaky fast. He's six foot four, over two twenty, but the guy's an athlete, sneaky fast. In fact, since twenty sixteen, he's been within the same tier of speed of those like Cody Bellinger and Francisco Lindor. He's in the top ten percent of fastest runners in baseball. So I, I didn't know that. I don't think anyone um, can see that unless they dig a little bit deeper. And also. If we just look at some of the baseball savant defensive metrics, not u z r not d r s not any of the other stats, but just the ones used by baseball savant, which is based on stat cast data and like getting an outfield jump for example, he also rates in the top ninety five percent of center fielders over the last few years, so that's why I think he kind of mirrors what the Cubs envisioned for Elmora, perhaps, when I mean by that as someone who has decent defense, run the base as well, who is fast, but whereas Elmora was not any of that, Marisnik could fill that role as a fifth outfielder. But it is puzzling, too, because even Cameron Maben, when he had his good year with the Yankees in 2019, when he had, a, I believe, like a 360 weighted on base average, he did most of his damage against right-handed batters. Like, he's like a reverse platoon guy, at least in 2019. But last year, he had better numbers against lefties. He had league average offensive numbers against lefties, whereas he was below league average against right handed pitchers. So I don't know what the deal is there. The Cubs clearly have an idea of what their outfield's going to look like, or they would not have DFA'd Irvin so soon. Um, But it is surprising. I can see what they're thinking, but I'm not totally understanding how they're going to attack lefties. Because as you said, Corey, Jock Peterson can't hit lefties, or he has not been able to hit lefties. He has one home run against a left-handed pitcher over the last three years. We know the issues with Jason Hayward at times against lefties. We know Ian Happ is a switch hitter, but he's gone through extensive work from the right-handed batter's box over the years. Can you rely on Ian Happ for 162 games a year against left-handed pitching? Maybe. But is that a certainty? I don't know. So who fills in then to face lefties? Do you put Chris Bryant in the outfield and shuttle around David Bode to third base? I, I don't know. That's a legitimate question to have. And that's where I was confused why they got rid of Philip Irvin. But Marisnyk, nevertheless, incredibly fast guy. Super fast guy. Great defense, supposedly according to the stack has numbers. And I think if you just look at those two alone, you think of a, a late inning, seventh inning defensive replacement guy, someone who could be a pinch runner and kind of fill that role that maybe we thought Ian Miller, who's in AAA, could have filled. Ian Miller, a good defender, incredibly fast, but without the bat that Marisdick might end up having.
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily take issue with any of this. Uh I, I just think it's it's interesting that the the Urban thing just made a lot of sense. It just seemed like really simple. Like we need an outfielder yeah, that can I know. hit left. It is confusing. And so it's just interesting. It's just uh trying to sort of piece all this together and uh think through it. But I, I don't necessarily dislike it and as as I look at the bench, like I said, I, I think that you know, it's it's a, a low bar, unfortunately, but it's it's been a, a spot of weakness for the Cubs at times over the last few years. And certainly it, it you know, it ebbs and flows, right? Um, but the Cubs have had, at times, a, a really not great bench, um, you know, and I, I think even in parts of, of 2020, you know, when they were carrying three catchers and stuff like that, and it's, it's important to have a good bench. And I think that having a, a specific role in mind for Mariznick that seems to line up with what he'll be able to provide as you're, as you're saying, seeing what we saw from Cameron Mabin and knowing, you know, again, that that he's someone who can put up numbers that are more in line with major league averages and, and things like that. And, you know, not someone who's just really struggling uh, to provide much at the plate. I think that's very important for this team. And if they're able to find that balance, I think it'll it'll really set them up for success. It's more just looking at these set of moves and going, huh, like, I wonder what they're thinking here because, you know, it sort of seemed like this one set of thinking made a lot of sense, but we'll, we'll have to see, and I think we'll hear more from David Ross and Jed Hoyer as, as spring training continues to get underway. Again, Monday was the first full squad workout, so this is the first time we're seeing all of the position players and, you know, getting live pitching going and things like that, so we should probably hear more on their train of thought and logic and stuff like that as we go forward here. But something to keep an eye on, um, you know, because those are, as we've talked about, you know, some of the spots on this team are pretty clear who they're going to go to and some are not. And, you know, I think that bench area and how they're going to divide that playing time and how they're going to divvy that all up, I think is, you know, one of the things to continue looking for. But, I think that is what we have for you this week. Um, again, we'll we'll see when we get back to doing two episodes a week. It, we're we're still sort of seeing how this spring training coverage is going to go. It's been a a little different, at least in the beginning. Uh, it seems like the beat writers have fairly normal access but but not completely uh it looks like you know maybe they're not allowed in the same spots uh on on the complex just to you know, stay within the the COVID protocols and stuff like that. They're still doing the interviews on Zoom and stuff like that. So we'll we'll see how the content is coming out. And you know, as always, if if we have enough to talk about, we're happy to jump back on here. Um, but you know, I don't I don't want to come back in in two days and be like, hey, so Arietta and Alzalier are still friends. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, as long as we have stuff to talk about, we'll get back on that. So. It, you know, I, 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 we, we have not set a date for it, but it'll happen. Keep your, keep your eyes peeled on that, on that podcast feed. And eventually you'll just start seeing two episodes a week. Um, so I think that's all we have for you. It's, it's really good. Like I said, to have baseball back. Uh, I, I mean, just every little piece of content we can get, uh, Brendan and I are all over. It's, it's fun to see the guys back fun to you know see them reuniting with one another I'm still waiting for I, I need some sort of photo or video of Jake Arietta and Anthony Rizzo embracing reuniting things like that um there there was rumors that they you know Jake in one of his interviews had said it was really nice to give Rizzo a hug again where's the content guys you know what I mean you, you can't you can't uh, no, tweet out that that break. happened and, and I mean I'm looking around like uh-huh I'd like to see it do we have any evidence of this? But not for now. So I'm still waiting on that. But it's it's really good to have the Cubs back, to have baseball back. And it's, I, I think, you know, for me, especially after a long offseason, especially everything going on in the world, like really, I mean it, like just seeing Chris Bryant taking BP in Cubs gear, Javi Baez doing his thing in the field, the smile on Anthony Rizzo's face from the photos today from the Cubs social media team, it's, it's, it's all I needed. It's, it's everything in the world. It's so good to see these guys back. And it it just makes me happy to see these guys. So I'm ready to root for them. I'm ready to cheer them on. I'm ready to defend that division crown, right? Like we got a division to defend. So I know, I think that's what we got. And I I will leave you with this. Uh, I I would, y'all knew I was going to read this. Obviously, I'm not going to go through this whole podcast uh, without reading this. But in his Meeting with the media today, Anthony Rizzo was asked about one John Lester, and he gave this quote about John Lester's legacy, which honestly, like I've spent years talking about this guy. I don't think I've ever said anything that so eloquently and perfectly sums up John Lester and what he meant to this team as as well as anthony rizzo did i I was rather impressed Uh, i think anthony's been spending a lot of time with pat hughes because i think this was just a very nice way of saying a nice and succinct way of putting this but here's anthony rizzo on john lester's legacy quote john came over and just basically dusted off everyone's w flag and basically started waving the w flag single-handedly for this franchise he did indeed, Anthony, but we'll reminisce on that another day. Uh, for the moment, we're optimistic and excited for the 2021 Cubs. So with that, thank you as always for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast, for engaging with us on social media, for downloading this podcast, leaving five-star reviews wherever you listen to us, and, and you know leaving some feedback uh, that, that helps us. And we appreciate uh, your listenership, and we will talk to you guys soon. And as always, Go
0: Cubs!